Present John Moffat as Hercule Poirot and Andre Moran as Monsieur Bouc in Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. A man has been stabbed to death in his compartment on the Orient Express. A man whom anyone would have wished to kill, the kidnapper and murderer of the Armstrong child. And the person responsible is still with us because the train is engulfed in a snowdrift and no one can get off. One of the passengers, Mrs. Hubbard, swears that the killer was in her compartment. Oh, if it were not for my old friend Hercule Poirot, I would be at my wit's end. I simply cannot understand it, Monsieur Poirot. The button that Mrs. Abbott found is undoubtedly that of a wagon-lit conductor's uniform. It is certainly very curious. But does this mean that Michel is somehow involved? Oh, it simply cannot be. He has been working for the company for 15 years. The button suggests possibilities, I agree, Monsieur Book, but we must not allow ourselves to be sidetracked. Let us consider the facts. The murdered man of Ratchet was the kidnapper and killer of the Armstrong baby in America. Our most likely course of investigation is to pursue a link between one of the passengers and the Armstrong family. Uh, we still have eight passengers to question. Um, in the first class, there are Princess Dragomirov, Count Andrény and his beautiful young countess, Colonel Arbuthnot, and Mr. Hardman. Who is an American, if I am not mistaken. Mm. And then there are the passengers in the second class you have not yet interviewed. Fräulein Schmidt, the princess's maid, Antonio Foscarelli, Miss Dabenham, and the Swedish lady, Miss Olsen. Ah, the one who looks rather like a sheep that has lost its way. Uh, we. <laughs> well, let us commence with her. And the dead man was responsible for this terrible crime? Yes, mademoiselle. And to think that I nearly walked into his compartment last night. You opened his door? It was a stupid mistake. I was much ashamed. But did you actually see him, mademoiselle? Yes, I did. He was reading a book. I apologized quickly and closed the door. And uh, did he say anything to you? He laughed and he said... Uh, he said something which I did not quite understand. I suspect it was not very polite. And what did you do after that? It was the American lady I had gone to see, Mrs. Hubbard. I had a headache, and she had offered me some aspirin. And did she ask you whether the communicating door between her compartment and that of Mr. Ratchet was bolted? Yes, she did. I had a look, and it was. Uh, I understood why she was frightened. I would not have liked to have slept next to such a man. And after that? I went back to my own compartment. I took the aspirin, and I lay down. Mm. Now, you are sharing a compartment, I believe, Mademoiselle Olsen. Yes, I am, with an uh, English lady. She was coming from Baghdad. And uh, uh, did, uh, 
Did you have the upper or the lower berth? Uh, the lower one. And did the English lady, Miss Debenham, did she leave the compartment after the train left Vinkovtsi? No, no. I am sure that she did not. I am very light sleeper. If she had come down from the berth above, I should have awakened. Did you yourself leave the compartment at any time? No, monsieur. Not until this morning. Hmm. Uh, tell me, Mademoiselle Olsen, do you have a scarlet silk kimono? Scarlet silk? What should I do with such a garment? I have a good, comfortable dressing gown of Jaeger material. And the, the lady with you, Miss Debenham, uh, what colour is her dressing gown? Uh, she has a pale mauve, uh, such as you buy in the East. Have you ever been in America, Mademoiselle Olsen? Oh, no. I very nearly went there once. I was to go as a companion to an invalid lady, but at the last moment it was all cancelled. It was a great pity. I wished very much to see the United States. Mm. Thank you, Mademoiselle. That is all. That is all? Yes, Mademoiselle Olsen. Do you wish I ask anyone to come along to talk with you? Uh, for the moment, no. <laughs> Goodbye, then. I will tell you who is the murderer, my friend. It is Foscarelli, the big Italian who looks like a bandit. That is the way they kill in Sicily, with a knife. And not once, but many times. Mm. It says in his passport that he was born in Milan. What difference does it make? It is quite obvious. He and this man, Ratchet, were in the kidnapping business together. Uh, what did you say Ratchet's real name was? Cassetti. Well, there you are, then. Criminals always fall out with one another. Cassetti must have double-crossed this man, Foscarelli, and this is his revenge. Uh, forgive me for disturbing you, Monsieur Book, but the chef is most anxious to speak with you. He is very concerned about the supplies of food. Uh, what is he to do for fresh vegetables? Uh, Michel, uh, this button was found in the American lady's compartment. It is yours, I think. Oh, no, Monsieur Book. There must be some mistake. As you can see, I have lost no button. It is fairly certain that this button was dropped by the man who was in Mrs. Hubbard's compartment last night when she rang the bell. But I have told you, Monsieur Book, there was no one there. The lady must have imagined it. Even so, Michel, I should like you to talk to the other conductors on the train and make sure that they all have their buttons. Yes, Monsieur Book. And uh, perhaps you would be so kind as to ask the Princess Dragomirov whether she wishes to present herself here or whether she would prefer me to wait upon her in her own compartment. Yes, Monsieur. Of course. Uh, Monsieur Book, perhaps you should go and call upon the chef, my friend. You have the good name of the Compagnie des Vagondis to consider... Uh, uh, oui, bien sûr. But uh, what about the investigation? Oh, I have no doubt that somehow or other I shall manage to conduct it in your absence. <laughs> there is no reason why I should be treated differently from any of the other passengers. A murder has taken place. You must interview everyone... I understand my duty, monsieur. You are most amiable, madame. What can I tell you? You are traveling home from Istanbul, I understand. Yes, I have been staying at the Austrian embassy. Now, madame la princesse, for the purposes of my investigation, I need a brief account of your movements last night from dinner onwards. 
if you would be so kind. Movements? I didn't move at all. The conductor made up my bed while I was in the dining car. I retired immediately after dinner. I read until 11, the memoir of Saint-Simon, and then turned out my light. But I couldn't get to sleep. I suffer from a rheumatic complaint that is particularly disturbing at night. Most distressing. I can understand, madame. At about a quarter to one, I rang for my maid and asked her to massage me. She then read aloud to me until I felt sleepy. I cannot say exactly at what time she left me. It might have been... Half past one, it might have been later. Your maid, now, what is her name? Hildegard Schmidt. And has she been with you for a long time? Her people came from an estate of my late husband's in Germany. She has been in my service for 15 years. You have been in America, I presume, madame? Many times, monsieur. Were you at any time acquainted with the Armstrong family? The family who suffered the great tragedy of the kidnapping and death of their little daughter. They were personal friends of mine, monsieur. Ah. You knew Colonel Armstrong well, then? I knew him slightly, but his wife, Sonia, was my goddaughter. And I was on terms of close friendship with her mother, Linda Arden. She was one of the great actresses of the world. In France, she would have been a renowned Phaedro and Romaque. I always thought her wasted on the superficial entertainments of Broadway. Uh, she is dead? No, no. She is alive. But she lives in complete retirement and seclusion. Her health is very delicate, and she has to lie on his sofa most of the time. But why should you wish to know about the Armstrongs? I will explain, madame. The man who was killed last night was the man who was responsible for the kidnapping and murder of the Armstrong child. You mean that odious man was Cassetti? Then I can only say that his murder was entirely justified. Can you tell me anything about Sonia Armstrong's younger sister? Do you know where she is living? I cannot tell you, monsieur. I have lost touch with the younger generation. I believe that she married an Englishman some time ago, and presumably she went to live in England. But I cannot recall his name. Perhaps it will come to me. Is there... Anything further you wish to ask me? Only one thing, Madame la Princesse. A uh, somewhat personal question. What is the color of your dressing gown? I must suppose you have a reason for such a question. My dressing gown is of blue satin. I am much obliged to you for answering my questions with such understanding. You will excuse me, monsieur, but may I ask you your name? Your face is somehow familiar to me. My name, madame, is Hercule Poirot. Hercule?
Hercule Poirot. Yes, I remember now. This is destiny. Au revoir, monsieur. Oh, it is nothing to be excited about, I'm afraid, mon ami. They are sounding the whistle in the hope that someone may hear us. Things are becoming serious. We have food only for another 24 hours. There is no mineral water and a precious little caviar. It is not the kind of service that our passengers expect on board the Orient Express. And to cap it all, you have a murderer on the train. At least it provides a little divertissement. But um, are you any nearer a solution? I have not yet completed my investigation. So who are you going to question next? The Comte and Comtesse Antreigny. Mm, they are from the Hungarian embassy. You must tread very cautiously there, my friend. I did not consider it necessary that my wife, the Countess, should come along to see you as well. There is little that we can do to assist you. We were asleep and heard nothing. Are you aware of the identity of the deceased, Monsieur le Comte? I understood that it was the American, with the decidedly unpleasant face. I mean, did you know the name of the man? He was never introduced to me. Surely his name was on his passport. The name on his passport was Ratchet, but his real name was Cassetti. Does that mean anything to you? Nothing at all, I'm afraid. You have perhaps been in America, Monsieur le Comte? I was in the embassy in Washington for a year. You knew perhaps the Armstrong family? Armstrong? It is difficult to recall. One meets so many people. But to come back to the matter of this man's death, what more can I do to assist you? I need to know at what hour did you retire last night? Uh, you and the Countess have separate but adjoining compartments, I think. Numbers 12 and 13. We asked the conductor to make up number 12 for the night while we were in the dining car. On returning, we sat in the other compartment and played piquet for a while. About 11 o'clock, my wife retired to bed for the night. The conductor made up my compartment. I also went to bed. I slept until morning. And Madame la Comtesse? Oh, my wife always takes a sleeping draught when travelling by train. She took her usual dose of trional. I'm sorry I'm not able to assist you in any way. Now, if possible, I would like to have a little word with Madame la Comtesse. It will not be necessary. She can tell you nothing more than I already have. Doubtless, doubtless. Nevertheless, I must see her. It will be a mere formality, but you understand it is necessary for my report. As you wish, monsieur. I will ask my wife to call on you. He didn't look very pleased. What on earth did you say to him? Do you have the passports of the Comte and Comtesse, Monsieur Bouc? Uh, oui, it is here. Uh, there is only one. Uh, it is a joint passport. Thank you. Accompanied by his wife. Um, oh, someone has dropped a spot of grease on it. What does it say? Elena Maria, I think. Maiden name Goldenberg, age 20. It is a diplomatic passport. We must be careful, my friend, not to give offence. Ah, we are investigating a murder, Monsieur Bouc. Even so, the Andrenis are important people, mm. and it is important to the Compagnie des Wagons-Lits that the Hungarian never fear, government... Never fear, mon vieux. I am behaving with the utmost tact. Uh, Monsieur Bouc... Uh, oui, Michel, what is it? I have checked with the other conductors. Uh, neither of them has lost a button... 
and they swear that they have never been near the compartment of Madame Aubert. Ah. Eh bien. Thank you, Michel. Madame la Comtesse Andreni is here, Monsieur Poirot. Then ask her to be so kind as to come along. Yes, Monsieur. Will you come this way, Madame la Comtesse? I beseech you, Poirot, do not say anything that may upset her. I understand that you wish to question me, Monsieur. A mere formality, Madame la Comtesse. Please sit down. It is only to ask you if you saw or heard anything last night that may throw any light on this matter of the murder. Nothing at all, Monsieur. I was asleep. You did not hear, for instance, a commotion going on in the compartment next to yours? The American lady who occupies it became quite hysterical and rang for the conductor. I heard nothing, Monsieur. I had taken a sleeping draught. Of course. Well, I need not detain you any further. Thank you, Monsieur. Oh, oh just uh, one little detail. These particulars here on your passport, your maiden name, age, and so forth, they are correct? Of course they are correct. You will forgive me for asking, but did you accompany your husband on his visit to Washington? No. We were not married then. Our wedding took place only last year. Of course, yes, how stupid of me. Uh, by the way, does your husband smoke? Yes, he does. A pipe? No. Cigarettes and cigars. What makes you ask that question? Oh, you understand detectives ask all sorts of questions. Uh, for instance, um, what is the colour of your dressing gown, Madame la Comtesse? It is corn-coloured chiffon. Is that really important? Very important indeed. Forgive me, but I do not quite understand what your function is in all this. I thought that there were no detectives on the train on its passage through Yugoslavia. I am not a Yugoslavian detective, madame. I am an international detective. You mean that you belong to the League of Nations? I belong to the world, madame. Thank you for your cooperation. I hope that I have been of some assistance, monsieur. I assure you of great assistance. Well, monsieur Book, was I sufficiently discreet? The very so, merci. Mm -hmm. A very pretty woman. But uh, it didn't advance us much. No. Two people who saw nothing and heard nothing. I think that we should interview the handsome Colonel Abathnot next. Well, I fear that you will not find him very cooperative. I don't see that it's any of your business why I decided to return from India by the overland route. And nevertheless, Colonel... If you really must know, I wanted to take a look at Earl of the Caldies. Of course. And there happened to be an old friend of mine in Baghdad whom I haven't seen in five years. Is that good enough for you? I understand that the young English lady, Miss Debenham, was also returning from Baghdad. Did you meet her there, perhaps? No, I certainly did not. I first met Miss Debenham in the restaurant car of the Taurus Express, travelling from Kirkuk to Nisibin. Colonel, I am about to appeal to you. You and Miss Debenham are both English. It is necessary that I should ask each of you your opinion of the other. What the devil do you mean by that? The crime was most probably committed by a woman. It has all the marks of that. You can't 
possibly suspect Miss Debenham. As an Englishman, you can perceive things about her that I cannot. What sort of person is she, Colonel? You seem to have some very peculiar notions of the way English people behave. Miss Debenham is a lady. And therefore she could not possibly be implicated in this crime? The very idea is absurd. The man was a perfect stranger. She had never seen him before. Did she tell you this? Not in so many words. She commented on his somewhat unpleasant appearance. If a woman really is concerned, though I can't imagine on what assumption you could have come to that conclusion, Miss Debenham is most certainly not the person you are looking for. Very well. Let us pass on to matters of fact. We have reason to believe that the crime was committed at a quarter past one last night. It is part of our necessary routine to ask everyone on the train what he or she was doing at the time. Well, to the best of my recollection, at a quarter past one, I was talking to that young American fellow, McQueen, the secretary to the dead man. We were in his compartment. He was a friend or acquaintance of yours? Never saw him before he got on this train. We got talking about India, and he seemed to have some very peculiar notions about how we run the place. I thought it my duty to set him to rights. We went on talking till nearly two o'clock. I believe that you got out when the train stopped at Vinkovtsi, is that so? We both did, McQueen and I, that is. But only for about a minute the cold was something frightful. It made me quite grateful to get back to the fug. Though as a rule I think these trains are scandalously overheated. It is very difficult to please everyone. The English, they open everything, then the others come along and close everything. What is one to do? I can't understand why you fellows have such a rooted objection to fresh air. Yes, now, Colonel, cast your mind back. You and Mr. McQueen return to the train. You sit down and smoke, perhaps a cigarette, perhaps a pipe. A, a pipe, for me. McQueen smokes cigarettes. You carry on with your talk about the British Empire. It is late now. Many people have retired for the night. Did anyone pass your door? Now, think carefully. It's difficult to say. The conductor went by and... Oh, wait a minute. There was a woman, I think. Uh, a woman? Can you describe her? Was she old or young? I didn't see her. Just heard a, a rustle as she went by. And a scent of some sort. Oh, what kind of scent? Can you describe it? Well, uh, it was rather fruity, if you know what I mean. The kind of thing you could smell a hundred yards away. And then again, it was one of those things that you notice without noticing, if you know what I mean. I know. Now tell me, Colonel, have you ever been in America? Never. No desire to go there, either. Did you ever know a Colonel Armstrong? I've known two or three. It was a chap called Selby Armstrong got blown to pieces at Passchendaele. No, no, no. I mean the Colonel Armstrong who married the daughter of the American actress Linda Arden and whose only child was kidnapped and killed. I never actually came across him, but I know who you mean, of course. Toby Armstrong. Everybody liked him. A very distinguished soldier. He got the VC. The man who was killed last night was the man responsible for the murder of Colonel Armstrong's child. Then he deserved what was coming to him. But I had sooner have seen him hanged. Or put in the electric chair. Do you prefer law and order to private vengeance? A man ought to be put on trial and judged by a properly constituted jury. I don't know of a better system. Yes, I can see that that would be your view. 
Well, I do not think that there is anything else I need ask you, Colonel. Uh, there's something I've just remembered. Yes, Colonel, what is it? Well, maybe nothing at all. But when I left McQueen and got back to my compartment, I noticed that the door of the one beyond mine, the end one, you know... Yes, number 16. Well, the door of it was not quite closed. And the fellow inside peered out in a furtive sort of way. Then he quickly pulled the door to. Well, there's probably nothing in it, but it struck me as rather odd at the time. Thank you, Colonel. That is most interesting. Yeah, I'll be on my way, then. By the way, about Miss Debenham, mm -hmm. you can take it from me that she's all right. She's Pakasab. <clears throat> Good day, gentlemen. What does he mean, Pukasab? It means that Miss Debenham's father and brothers were at the same kind of school as Colonel Abathnot. I see. Then it has nothing to do with the crime at all. But what about the man who the Colonel saw peering round the door of his compartment? Number 16? Who is the passenger in number 16? Uh, Mr. Cyrus Hardman. He looks just like a gangster, but according to his passport, he's a traveling salesman for a company which sells uh, typewriter ribbons. I think we should have him in next. I think I'd better come clean. I've heard of you, Mr. Poirot. You've got quite a reputation in our profession. In our profession? Typewriter ribbons? <laughs> the passport's a bit of a bluff, I'm afraid. I work for McNeil's detective agency in New York. Huh? I think you had better explain, Mr. Hartman. Uh, I've been trailing a couple of dope smugglers. The trail went cold in Istanbul. I was going to go home with my tail between my legs when I got this letter. Mm -hmm. You have been pointed out to me as an operator for the McNeil detective agency. Kindly report to my suite at the Tocatlian Hotel at four o'clock this afternoon. S.E. Ratchet. He was a worried man, Mr. Poirot. He showed me a couple of letters that someone had sent to him. He wanted me to travel on the train back to Paris with him and see that nobody got him. I guess I didn't make out any too well. Did he give you any precise instructions? His idea was that I should travel in the compartment alongside his, but it was booked... The only place I could get was number 16, but I figured it was in a good strategic position. The only way a killer could come was through the rear end door to the platform. He would have to pass right by my compartment. Did he give you any idea why his life was being threatened? No. He just said someone was out for his blood. You knew who he really was, of course. You recognized him. Uh, I, I don't get you. Ratchet was Cassetti, the Armstrong kidnapper. Cassetti? No, Mr. Poirot, I didn't know. I was way out west at the time of the kidnapping. I suppose I must have seen photographs of him in the papers, but I wouldn't recognize my own mother when a press photographer had done with her. <laughs> Very true, Mr. Hardman. Hmm, I'm not surprised someone had it in for Ratchet. Did he give you any clue as to the identity of the person who was threatening him? Well, I know what he looked like. Mr. Ratchet described him to me. He, he described him? Yeah, he told me to be on the lookout for a small man, dark, with a high-pitched, womanish kind of voice. A small, dark man? Yeah, he said he didn't think that he would strike on the first night out. A small, dark man with a womanish voice? Mm, that's the way he described him. Thank you, Mr. Hardman. You have been of great assistance to us. Oh, it's good to know that, Mr. Poirot. If there is anything at all I can do, don't hesitate to ask me. You know where to find me. 
A little dark man with a high-pitched voice? There is no one on the train even remotely like that. Exactly. So all our calculations are wrong. We shall have to go back to the beginning. Not so, my friend. I have an idea that this little man with a woman's voice is someone we are going to meet again. But who can he possibly be? For the first time, I begin to have a glimpse of what may have happened last night. The little man who could not have been on the train. The mysterious lady in the red kimono who was in Ratchet's compartment. What about that? The pipe cleaner. The woman's handkerchief. The watch that stopped so conveniently. It is a very amusing little game that is being played for our benefit. Within a very little time, my friend, I shall be able to tell you who committed the murder on the Orient Express. Hercule Poirot is not so easily fooled. In part three of Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express, Hercule Poirot was played by John Moffat and Monsieur Bouc by André Moran. The Princess Dragomirov, Sean Phillips, Colonel Abuthnot, Stephen Hodson, Hardman, John Church, Miss Olson, Kate Binchy. Pierre Michel, Frank Windsor, the Count and Countess Andrigny, David Thorpe and Cyril Jenkins. The music was composed and played by Michael Haslam. Murder on the Orient Express was dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams.